Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Uh, hello, hello there. Welcome to this week's episode 184. Sorry, no, that's wrong. It's 148. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself there. 148 of 1% Better and probably the last third or fourth last of the season over the last week i've recorded the last couple of episodes of this season that i am aiming for one with a chess grandmaster fascinating to hear about his approach to practice and looking forward to sharing that and the other with a leadership expert that was in the airborne battalion in the u.s army that's probably the wrong term but he was a ranger so very interesting guy and we'll share that over the next few weeks i was thinking about something to do differently for this intro and i as i always say we'll keep it short but probably don't but i'd like to do a competition to see if anyone would like to win a book that i have a second copy of at home here it's called time to think it's by an author called Nancy Klein. And if you're interested in learning how to coach yourself and maybe coach others, your team or people that you work with, there's some really good tools in this. And I've mentioned it on the podcast numerous times in episodes that I've interviewed guests that have a background in coaching. So if you're interested, I want you to send me an email with the subject Time to Think competition. And that will basically put you in the draw. What I would also ask, if you're doing it, just to probably help me with furthering the reach, maybe tell a friend about the competition, get them to send an email, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. That is important if you can do that. That'll help me get the reach up further, and that's what I'm always trying to do, getting more and more ears connected into the show. So send me an email and I will do a random draw for the book in the next week or two, and I will announce the winner in an episode before the end of the season. So that would be fun, I think, and you will get a free book, and you will enjoy it. I promise you that. Lots of cool tips in there that will help you improve. The book is called Time to Think, but I think it's a lot about time to feel and connect in and understand what's going on. So hopefully that will be of interest to you. Uh, last call out before the episode starts. I have a Slack group set up over the last new number of months, probably last maybe August, and we hold each other to account for monthly challenges and egg each other on in there. For this month, I'm doing 5K a day, running 5K a day. It's day 14 when I'm recording this intro of 31. There was a storm in Ireland just today. I think it was called Storm Brendan, I think. And... Definitely, if it wasn't for the commitment to this goal and sharing updates on a daily basis on progress, I probably would have just not bothered. And I'm doing on, on Twitter as well. So it's sharing those goals out, holding myself accountable and knowing if I don't, others will wonder why you didn't and I'm getting support along the way. So we'll do those challenges every month. And believe me, the more challenges of these you do, the less of a struggle it seems as if oh god why am i doing that every month that's just too much like hard work but it is hard work but it's worth it so sign up there's a link on the front page of the website to the slack community it's open it's free and 
and the more that join the the better the more input the more exchanging and the more support so go for that and as i said the competition is there as well so this week's episode is with shane mccarty he is originally from curry he's now the cmo or chief marketing officer for a military social media platform in the u.s called sandbox i met him about eight years ago when i was involved in it at cork and shane was still in ucc at the time as a student but running a student board for it at cork i always thought this guy was pretty clued in smart and knew where he was going from that early age i certainly hadn't a clue at that age and it's proving to be true he is doing really well for himself and has a excellent story to share but also lots of interesting marketing tips and insights around marketing psychology seo and of course most importantly looking after yourself self-care and the importance of that so i hope you enjoy this episode with shane mccarthy thanks for checking it out as always and have a great day or week or whatever day or week it is when you listen have a great one good luck Hey folks, welcome to this week's 1% Better episode. It is with great pleasure to invite my guest on to this week's episode, Shane McCarthy, Chief Marketing Officer for Military Social Media Platform Sandbox and a Cork slash Curry link here for sure as well. Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Great to uh, chat again. I know met you i'd say it was probably about 2010 or 11 or 12 around then and you were probably a young uh you're still young obviously uh college um student i suppose were going going through your bis degree in ucc at that time and the interaction i think we had was through it at cork that's uh something you got into quite early on yeah so back uh yeah back then when i was in ucc I guess it was uh, Ronan Murphy was chairman there at the time, and you had Sarah Walsh, who was involved in the office, and they were looking at getting the universities more involved in IT at Cork, which is a you know a collection of I think is it like three hundred different IT companies from multinationals to startups based in Cork, and they were looking at you know that Cork ecosystem, you know the universities as we've kind of seen I guess the west coast of the US um, have done it really well in and around San Francisco and Silicon Valley is. When you have the universities that can feed into employers, um, you know, it becomes a real talent pool and a flow, you know, a flow of talent and that attracts in more companies and you know it's kind of a, it, you know it adds to that ecosystem. So in fairness to them, at the time they said, hey, we want to we want to get more involved with UCC and CIT. Um, you know, are you interested in starting up a student uh, kind of like a student board there? Mm. Get more imp- uh, input from students and younger people and what they were seeing in the workforce. So that's how, yeah, that's how we got involved with IT at Cork. And it was a, you know, fantastic experience to, you know, network with people like you and, and other people that were in industry as well. Yeah, no, I, I was very taken at the time for your, your passion around social media, marketing. I know you were running Twitter hours when I think I had about 10 followers on it. It was pretty new to me. <laughs> Where did that kind of drive to get involved in that specific area come from? I think it was... You know, when I was in UCC, I studied business information systems, which is sort of a mix between business and IT. And it's sort of how people interact with, um, you know, with technology as well. So, you know, one of the first ways that one of the main things that people spend time on from a technology perspective is social media, um, you know, is Facebook, is Instagram. If you look at, you know, our 
aunts and uncles and grandparents, maybe that's the first app that they had on their smartphone was uh, going on the social social media site. So that was probably my first draw to it, the, you know, the interest that everyone had in it. Um, and then just kind of got more and more involved in it and was interested in maybe like some of that psychology of the marketing side and, and how people interact with these different apps. So, yeah, that ended up going on to, yeah, we ran, um, yeah, it was a kind of that tech tech cluster hour. I think mm. it was every Thursday. Um, you know, it was one of the, it, it trended in the UK and Ireland every week that we ran it, uh, getting just industry folks to comment on a different topic each week. And I'd actually kind of forgotten about it until we were, until we were talking about it earlier. But yeah, that was one of the first kind of, I guess, marketing type campaigns that I had ran. Mm. And uh, yeah, again, it was kind of cutting edge from what I was familiar with. But the the buzz it was generating, and you know, it seemed like you had a natural flair for spotting that opportunity or or, or or harnessing the power of a social tool to create a bit of a buzz. Again, where what was that? Was it just trial and error? Did you just feel that that was something that you naturally kind of had a sense for? Yeah, I think it was probably uh, trial and error because uh, when I was in UCC as well, I was meeting you know interesting folks. Um, so I started doing a lot of blogging and was probably you know looking back at it now if i was to go back through some of those blog posts because i finished i finished blogging when i kind of moved out of ucc and got a real job i guess and didn't have time for doing you know that kind of side of personal branding anymore mm. but um if, if i was to you know if i was to look back at it i guess it, yeah it was a lot of trial and error so there was different things on the blog that did and didn't work um there was you know um different things that were working online but that the Twitter chat at the time, which uh, I, I guess people don't really tend to do them as much anymore. But um, at the time, that was one of the things that worked really well. And as I said, I'd kind of forgotten about it. So there's probably like 101 other things that I had tried at the time that probably like failed miserably. Um, I, I just can't recall them off the top of my head right now. Hmm. Interesting you mentioned about blogging, right? So this month I'm, I'm, I do monthly challenges and I'm doing a daily blog post. And that's, again, purely for a learning perspective. I'm probably... Mm-hmm. And do podcasting and kind of blogging is almost you know old school compared to pod putting audio out you said you've kind of played with blog blog posts and what worked and what didn't what what typically did you find worked in a blog post or even nowadays when you're blogging because it's it's harder than ever to grab attention what are the things that you would put in a, a blog post to really grab somebody I guess back then it was sort of maybe on like topical issues or keep, you know, um, I, I probably kept it a little bit too broad in terms of like, you know, my blog at the time was just mainly around overall business subjects. Um, so I was probably too broad. Uh, looking back at it now, that kind of naivety of it in terms of like I wasn't doing anything on the SEO side, anything like that. Whereas take it to the business side now. So I've stopped, you know, I've stopped blogging uh, when I you know left UCC. But now the sandbox blog post gets a couple million visits a month. A big part of that, and it you know it's not really the sexy thing, or there's no hack in it or anything else. It's it's really been on the SEO side, like creating good content. Um, you know, or as you know, we put an SEO strategy in place. Yeah, we could have spent a couple million dollars driving traffic to the site through you know um, SEM and paid search and all this stuff, but we just have a you know we go through an seo checklist every time we post an article and the, you know the team does our content manager does a really good job of that so so that's more it um they you know they obviously look at stuff like what people are searching for a lot i didn't do as much about that mm. but they'll sit down you know once a month and they'll have their content strategy meeting and map out okay what are the keywords people are looking for 
How do we then incorporate that into the post? What is it that's of most interest to people? And you can a lot of times you can tell that by looking at you know um, the Google Analytics around what people are actually searching for. Um, and you know Google has a bunch of tools as well that that help you with planning that stuff out. So I guess a, a long way to answer your question around what I was doing back then wasn't very sophisticated. Whereas yeah, right now it has become more difficult. But if you can do you can cut through the noise, you know, really easily by just getting a bit more proficient than than a lot of other people with it. Mm. And is there a tool or a search or anything you recommend outside of Google Analytics that is freely available that somebody could could use? Because I think that's getting discovered and getting found is difficult, right? So I think, and what you said when you were blogging first, when I kind of blog now, I'm blogging because I'm more testing myself to how I write and get better at yeah. getting my message across. I'm not doing any SEO. I'm not really positioning it to get discovered or viral or any of that. But but if I was, anything freely available that useful to, to, to mention? Um, I, I know that the team, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot is um, on Moz, who do a lot of the SEO side, MOZ, MOZ um, I know if Nicole, who's our content manager, listens back to this, she'll be like, that's the most basic tool we use. Here are all the sophisticated ones. Right. They, they really, like the team is, the, uh, the team does the best job of managing that. I'm not as involved in the weeds in it. And, you know, and Khan came to be an expert on it. But what, what I would say to like anyone who's thinking about maybe doing blogging is, yes, there's that benefit for getting your name out there. Um, I do less blogging now, but I'll do like guest posts and stuff either on other people's sites or, you know, for um, news media and stuff like that. It's really an incredible way just to get you to think about your, to get your thoughts down on paper mm. and helps you formulate them properly. You know, you know, they used to have that whole thing when we were going through school is if you can talk, if you can um, explain it to someone, then you know it. You know, if you can teach to someone, yeah. word, if you can write something in, you know, a 600 to 1,000 word blog post, then you know it when you can put it down in those, you know, in those um, clear and concise terms. So I, I think that's what I like most about blogging, even if I don't end up getting the, or, 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 you know, writing maybe as opposed to blogging is even if I don't get the article published, it's still a fantastic way to formulate your thoughts and, you know, helps you do a bit more research on it as well. Absolutely. Definitely. And hitting publish, that kind of feeling of getting it out there, knowing that it'll be viewed or critically analyzed you know, it gets yeah. you a bit more focused on making sure it's it's good enough, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, you know, particularly when I do stuff around that or if I'm doing talks on, you know, marketing um, or scaling marketing teams and stuff, like, yeah, like, you can get pushback from guys that are your peers that may say, this works, you know, uh, no, I th- I disagree with you there, but, you know, yeah, you can take that personally or you can say, oh, well, yeah, that is a good point. Like, how do I integrate that into my team? Mm-hmm, definitely we'll maybe talk a bit more about feedback in a little bit so when you were finishing up in bis and when you we talk about going to the states you changed fields from engineering to marketing what was was that a very conscious decision that you wanted to go down that route i i guess it had been sort of happening you know through the different things that have been involved with um at university and then even when i was working in boston as a software engineer uh, and it had sort of happened where I was sort of either getting more involved in the sales side or involved in the marketing side, helping out the marketing team with, you know, just small bits. Um, and then I guess the transition happened. My um, boss in Boston, um, who was one of the product managers there, head of engineering slash product manager, he kind of wore both hats, said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm joining a startup. Do you want to come with me? 
Um, and I was like, fantastic. And he was like, okay, the main thing we need right now is someone to help on marketing. You know, it's, it's a platform, it's an app. We need someone that can understand both the uh, technology side as well as the marketing side. So it's not as if I jumped out and went, you know, working brand marketing for Procter & Gamble or Coca-Cola. I was still very much involved in, you know, on that engineering side, how do people interact with the app? Where are the viral loops coming from? What way are people moving through the different purchase flows? It was still very, you know, data heavy, tech heavy, being able to talk to the engineering team around, uh, yes, this is what we need, or is there a simpler way for us to test this quickly? You know, all of those things came into play. So it wasn't as if I had walked away and I was just designing posters, you know, as mm. some people may view marketing. Um, it was very much sitting on the edge of both the marketing and the development side. When I say development, I mean, you know, product development. The decision to leave your software engineering role and go, how did you come to that? What was your thought process? Was it a, an easy one? I, I guess um, you know, this is something I was talking to someone about recently and maybe, you know, leaving potentially a full-time gig somewhere to go join a startup maybe there was just a certain amount of naivety there too and kind of not knowing what you were getting into um but hey you know coming out of college that's the time to kind of take risks as well so um i guess to answer your question there was nothing there was no you know there was no major worry there it was just something that i was going to try um i knew that i wanted to move more down that marketing and sales side so it, it sort of it all tied in together Cool. You didn't like deliberate on it for days and weeks to to make it. it. It was it just felt right. So I guess there was a bit of a decision, you know. But I was based. I was doing soft or I was doing software engineering at an insurance company. Um, you know, they were doing large implementations, and my product manager that had just left was sending me yeah sending me videos of them out the back of the house shooting stuff with crossbows. It was in the military space. Um, him and the other co-founder Sam and I was like. It is, you know, this definitely looks a lot more, you know, exciting and sexier than maybe doing these large scale implementations. So that's when I was like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's give this a go. It's ticking the boxes what I want to do. I want to get involved in a, you know, fast growing company. I want to get in at the beginning, um, and you know, want to move into the marketing and sales side. So um, it lined up with what I had in my, you know, what I had in my head for what I wanted to kind of my, you know, next step in my career. Um, so I kind of went from there. Very good. And when when was that, Shane? How, how you were only in the how long were you in the US at that point? So the the way that it actually worked out was I was in the US for six months um, with UCC. That's when I was doing the insurance software side. They had offered me a job. Um, you know, when I when I'd gone back to UCC to do my final year, um, and at the same time as when I got the job offer from Sandbox. So um, actually, so it was those. September of 2014 um, is when I started with Sandbox, um, right when I went back and I worked with them through my final year in UCC. Then once I graduated in June of 2015 is when I moved over, uh, moved back to the States. Okay. So how, how did you manage to juggle uh, the job and final year in college? It, it actually wasn't that bad. I guess it comes down to like, you know, you can do, you can do it all once you just plan it out. Um so, so that's what I, you know, that's what I did. Um, and it actually gave me probably more free time than most people had because 
I was able to plan out my, you know, day and week ahead. I knew, you know, I wasn't leaving assignments or, you know, any college work or final year projects go to the last minute. I was just mapping it out and saying, okay, this is what I need to get done. And um, it, it actually ended up fine. And a lot of the stuff that I was doing with Sandbox tied into what I was doing, um, what I was doing at UCC. You know, we, we were doing a lot of uh, mobile app development and stuff like that uh, throughout our final year in UCC, a lot of statistics. So it all kind of tied into what, what we needed to be doing in our first year of uh, startup world as well. Interesting stuff. Fair play to you. So tell us a little bit about Sandbox then, just for folks listening, maybe from Ireland that mightn't have heard of it, how, you know, what it's all about, the vision and, you know, the, the growth, I suppose, over the last few years. Yeah, so Sandbox is a content and technology platform that you know was created to help improve friction points along the military journey. Um, it was created by two Marine Corps veterans, um, a sergeant and a two-star Marine Corps general. And pretty much what it is is you know the military lifestyle is very different to you know the normal way of life. You join when you're 17, 18. You uh, you go what we call off the grid for three months, so you're not allowed to have a cell phone on you. Uh, your family, you know, you're completely away from families, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, everything. They send you to a training base, generally in a semi-remote, uh, semi-remote area. So you go there, then you know, you move on to your next training school. You may or may not be with your family, and so on. It can go for you know four to thirty years, depending on how long you stay in the military. So you know, it started off with the the letters product, which is where you can write a message on our app, add a photo, hit send, and we print and deliver it next day. Um, so, you know, we send 50, 60,000 letters a month right now to those recruits that are going through training. And then we had, you know, some of the recruiting commands, sort of recruiters that are on the ground helping people get ready to join the military. This is back, you know, late 2014, early 2015, we're saying to us, hey, we're putting all this content out on Facebook. Very few of them are seeing it because we have to spend money on Facebook in order for anyone to see anything. And, you know, that was just when Facebook's organic um, reach was starting to really tank. So we were like, hey, give us the content. We'll push it out in our app. We'll send it out in a direct message. We know that someone is 12 weeks out from going to boot camp. So we'll make sure that they're physically and mentally ready for boot camp by delivering that content to them every three days. And so then we've just kept on building out that content along that military journey um, and developing more and more products. So we've about you know, 1.5 million customers um, with some big brands on the site that, you know, want to tell their stories to um, these new service members and military families as well. So, you know, it's it's really been growing pretty rapidly over the last uh, four or five years. And in particular, in the last two years, um, you know, we've secured some really good government contracts as well that help us, that have helped add to our growth. Was it a unique offering to, at that time, like, to military was there anything else out there for for them doing similar services no there was a couple of differences that um some of the features had been department of defense programs like the letters feature had a prequel to that um in what was called moto mail uh, back during the height of the iraq war but then it just became too expensive for the, the government to run it on its own so that had kind of dropped off uh, changes to technology too. It, it can be difficult within government to run, um, you know, consumer facing apps that are, you know, we're constantly redesigning the app and updating it. And it's difficult to do that if you're either, you know, maybe a nonprofit or if you're a government organization, because thing, ha- you know, it ha- usually has to go through so many runs of testing and legal, whereas 
or legal and or testing can generally be a bit faster than on the government side. So there, there has been replicated features, um, you know, maybe back over the last 10 years, but um, most of them are no longer, you know, no longer funded programs. So we're, we're really unique in this space uh, in solving these problems. Mm. Sounds like it's a offering that could be applied to any military anywhere in the world, I'd imagine, or 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 your use case, or your you know the personas maybe that you go after. What's the, I suppose, what's the opportunity for it to expand and grow and focus on different audiences? Yeah, like I would love them for them to, uh, you know, for us to move into the Irish side of things. Uh, I mean, excuse to come home more often, but you know, U.S. military is a couple million people, whereas we've ten thousand people here in sure. Ireland. So. Um, that, you know that's not going to happen anytime soon. Like we 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 still have a big opportunity just on the U.S. side around solving these problems um, along the rest of the military journey. Um, you know we're really only looking we're really only solving problems in the person's first year of service right now. Whereas we can map that out throughout their entire journey and create technology and content that can you know solve more of these friction points. So you know, we still have an incredible amount of work to do on that side, um, but it can definitely be replicated across um, different militaries. Mm, it's a huge opportunity by the sounds of it. So in the five years that you've been with them, how have you, I suppose, grown yourself? What are the major kind of challenges that you, you think back on? You mentioned the word naive a couple of times early on in this conversation. <laughs> how, how, how have uh, your naivety levels uh, diminished? Yeah, it was uh, yeah a couple of tough learnings, I guess. But um, so I um, so since I guess back in the 2014, 2015 days, you know, Pretty much you were on the ground, you were doing all the work every day, whether it was replying to customers, you know, scheduling the Facebook posts, and you were very much like in the weeds, like every single day, you know, 18 hours a day, uh, you had to do the work because there was no one there to do it or, you know, very, very few other people there to help getting involved. And I guess that's what's kind of changed. We've gone from, you know, trying to find product market fit to finding product market fit to hiring teams of people. And I mentioned earlier on, you know, some of the team that would be giving out to me about not knowing some of the SEO tools or not knowing, you know, being able to list off the probably 10 or 12 of them that we use, but they're the experts in their field. And, you know, we've hired a lot smarter people to run different parts of different parts of the business like that. So I think I've learned an awful lot from, you know, from those people being the experts um, and then, you know, my skill set has maybe slightly moved and changed to helping set that direction, making sure that, uh, you know, the trains are running on time and then also continuing to build out relationships, whether it's on the government side, whether it's with brands um, and being able to talk to them about this community as well, because, you know, I had to get up to speed pretty quickly uh, with the military community, understanding it, learning the vocabulary, learning the three letter ac- acronyms. Um, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of learning points there too. And then as well, you know, technology has changed a lot. Like the first, you know, the first iPhone was a 2007, 2008 is when that came out. Apps have changed a lot over that time. You know, uh, 20, you know, we launched on November 11th, which is veterans day in the U S, uh, 2014 apps weren't around that long. There was very few, uh, there was very few say books or resources, on how to scale an app company, uh, what you know, what were those different marketing channels and stuff to you to do? Like it's only really been in the last two or three years 
that you started to see more resources. So I guess one thing that I had to do was kind of go out and find those people and go out, you know, meet people for coffee and say, or, you know, jump on a phone call with them and say, okay, what are you seeing work within your business? Because there's no one writing about this right now. People are keeping their, you know, cards close to their chest. So that that will all added to the kind of learning curve as well, which was different to the engineering side where, you know, you look at Stack Overflow or you Google something and the answers to most questions are online. Um, there was very little of that when it came to uh, app-based marketing. Sure. So the interpersonal, the software skills, I, I guess, have, have grown a lot more, have been forced to develop and, and grow in that time. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, because yeah, building those uh, building, I guess, those sales muscles as well as the marketing muscles have been important. And, and as well on the, you know, the management side, like building those, you know, team management, team leadership muscles. It's, you know, I guess not something that gets talked about a lot in like startup circles, but, you know, generally the person who's you know in you know on the ground doing the work in the weeds if you don't grow and if you don't grow within your area and your industry um you know it can be difficult for you to run that for you to run that team as well and for you to you know manage a team and there's different things like you know a lot of our team is remote so that takes a different skill set than just managing a team in the office and um not that you know it's not that it's a issue or anything but it just it, it takes a different perspective and different mindset to, to do that as well and you have to be intentional about those things so all of those come into play as i look at maybe that transition over the last four to five years brilliant it's great learning on, on the job and great experience by the sound of things was there any kind of one standout mess up mistake whatever you want to term it that you've taken the greatest learning from that that jumps into your mind one mistake um Possibly, I guess two things that are you know either side either side of the same coin. One of them would be giving up on experiments too early. So we may do a test with, uh, you know, we may do a test with a new um, social media platform, and we might say, okay, we're going to spend a couple of thousand dollars doing this test, and we may even have just been too early on doing that. And then not, you know, not seeing the results um, because we just we decided, OK, we're going to test this for you know two months and then we would jump off and not let it run or we wouldn't see the results immediately. So I think sometimes you have to take those risks and let things play out. Um, but on the other side of that coin, the other mistake that we made was you know potentially spending too much money on one area uh, too quickly um, and not and not seeing results on it. So, you know, whether it was maybe like you know, hiring a certain firm or a consultant to come in and help us with stuff. And you kind of say, oh, well, we've, you know, um, we've committed a decent portion of our budget for this amount of time. Um, and we're, we're not seeing the results and we need to cut this, but we can't because we're under contract or something like that. So, you know, both of them are sort of, you know, I guess I'm being a bit gray in terms of saying, Yes, things, you know, you can spend too much time or too little time on an experiment. But I think you, as you get a better feel for the business and a better feel for the industry, you kind of figure that out. Um, but that definitely was an issue in the early days. Mm. And just on that then, now, how do you become more clinical with that decision if you're 
staying the course and giving that another you know two or three weeks to to see if it plays out or on the flip side if you're saying no i'm cutting it here what have you put in place i guess to prevent that from repeating i think i think i think the biggest thing is um although you know it's it's not the thing that you should use to make decisions particularly on maybe stuff you can get data on but you can just you just get a gut feel for things now in terms of like okay yeah i think this is going to work uh, this reminds me of this, you know, this that we've done before. Okay, we're going to, you know, maybe that's the initial thing that, you know, when you get 100 uh, sales emails a day, that's the thing that helps you pull out, oh, actually, this might be of interest. So, um, you know, your gut being the first part. And now we there's just, we have better technology implement, implemented that can you know, allow us to track a lot of this stuff, which has helped. And the second part of that is there's just a lot better technology and tracking out there than there would have been on in terms of apps uh four or five years ago like you know there's this one tool that we use for uh mapping purchase flow and stuff called mix panel and when we had originally looked at that um back in maybe early 2015 the thing you know it cost tens of thousands of dollars and for a new company that's not something that you know you can afford to spend on whereas now they've reduced their their prices we have a much bigger team that can implement it, um, and we have a bigger budget for you know doing some of that revenue or for doing some of that uh, tracking on the app. All all of these things kind of play together that have helped us make make better decisions. Um, you know, I would say even the most basic data tracking that you can do, you know, whether say going back to on your blogging side with Google Analytics, you know, that's free to implement. It's relatively easy to implement at a low level, um, so you can get you can get feedback immediately on what content people are looking at, looking at, or maybe what podcasts were you on last week, and how is that changing the traffic to the site? So I think really having the tools in place to measure it are the easiest ways to determine success. Mm, the data doesn't lie, and there's plenty of it, plenty of it yeah, out there. Exactly. So you've been in the States for five or so years, and I think in your article that was in the Irish Times recently, so well well done on getting that in there. Cheers. It talked about, you mentioned, you know, nobody cares over there about your age or what schools you've went to. And, you know, as a, a guy in your late 20s, I suppose now, and chief marketing officer, does that really strike you that you can just go in and talk to people at different levels? Maybe talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, the kind of bigger point that I guess I was trying to get across around people not caring what schools that you go to, because I'm sure that, yeah, the faculty at UCC were delighted when they saw that quote from me, but it was, it was more around, um, it was more around, I guess, BIS and UCC gave me such a, a, a platform that, you know, since I've gone over there, no one has asked me, you know, what, no one asks me what, you know, what course did you do in college or, you know, what's your background in generally it's like, Hey, can you hit these results? Yes or no. And you know, what's your track record? And you know, that's been what people have been most interested in, not, yeah, what, you know, what college or what university did you go to or, you know, what age are you? Um, you know, that was, that was a big part of my point, uh, in relation to that. But generally, you know, generally people don't, uh, don't mind, uh, you know, the school side of things or anything else, I guess, you know, you play up to your strengths and differences then as well. Like definitely my accent is a conversation starter whenever you're going in talking to people, you know, whether it's in you know New York on the ad agency side or DC with the military and government side, uh, every single person that I've come across, you know, 
almost has some connection to Ireland. Um, I was at a base recently and the general that was running the base, the commanding general was saying, oh, well, yeah, I was just back from Clare. You know, I brought my mom there to see her, uh, her mother's home and, you know, knew everything about the area, had been to, you know, Killarney and everything else. So, you know, you, you use those as conversation starters, I guess. Um, but no, you know, there's definitely no one ever holds any of that against you. Yeah, definitely a, a benefit, and, and certainly one you can use to to uh, potentially open doors. You mentioned psychology earlier on that you're interested in the psychology around marketing. How can one use that to your advantage, or what are, are kind of some of the simple tips or approaches that you could use in marketing that not exploits it? That's probably a bad word, but but use it to your advantage. Yeah, I think it's it. I think it's looking at the, the understanding of, you know, where your customer is coming from. And that's like one of the most powerful things you can do in marketing. And which is funny because a lot of, you know, particularly on the smaller business side, they don't do it. But it's looking at like that persona, like that, that user, uh, user persona or multiple user personas. And you're kind of going, OK, what is this person feeling as they're going through this as they're going through this point? Um I was looking at one case study recently where they looked at user personas and they even went down to uh, what music that person was looking to looking or was what music that person was listening to as they were going through this, uh, this sort of pathway in their life. It was looking at uh, wedding stuff. So what was the exact music? And I guess then they were tying that back to, you know, different moods. If they were running Spotify ads against that person, all of this different thing. So you know, companies are getting more and more in, in depth into that uh, user persona, trying to get a better understanding uh, and then tying data back into that, into, you know, how they see them using their platforms and using other platforms. So I think the user persona is probably one of the key points you can use in terms of like starting off with that psychology point. You know, there's other different things too that you can look at, particularly on the technology side. Um, there's this one that a lot of tech companies use, which is called the Elmer framework, which looks at, how people are moving through purchase purchase flows and it looks at you know emotion logic and it gives them a score going through that and so you know when someone gets a credit card point if they have to add in a few extra details of credit card information um or like here in the us or sorry here in europe one of the painful points is that whole um you know verified by visa thing which they don't use in the us but they use over here um where and then so that you can see huge drop-offs and that comes back to, you know, friction points and using technology. But looking at something like the Elmer framework looks at how exactly, uh, what emotional response are people having using to your, are having to your platform um, or to your technology. And, you know, that's interesting too from a, um, from a psychology standpoint. Um, and then I guess to tie in all the psychology stuff with your last question around, you know, how do people interact with me in the States? You know, you know, there's this term that's used in some circles, which is a uh, with them. So it's like, what's in it for me? And I think if you get to that for whether it's your users or the people that you're selling to, or whether it's the guy working in the mailroom, you know, what's in it for me, um, you know, and solving pain points for them. I think you're always going to drive a certain amount of success through that. Because if you can explain how, whether it's the product or the service you're providing is a benefit to each person along that, um, whether it's, you know, chain of command to use a military term in a business sense um, or anything else, you know, that's incredibly important. Mm. The idea of paid advertising has become more and more popular and I'd hear different 
podcasters and marketers talking about different platforms being more of value than others. Is that something you've done a lot of work and research in and any advice to maybe an entrepreneur or somebody willing to, to put a few euros or dollars on some paid advertising? Yeah, I think... I think the biggest piece of advice that I would say, and especially from talking to um, a lot of startup companies and advising some of them and, you know, things like that and seeing where they've, you know, where they're winning and failing is, you know, don't be afraid to set aside a decent amount of money and spend it on it. Um, you know, even looking at, okay, yeah, you may be better off spending that money on Facebook ads yourself rather than say spending, you know, 200 bucks a week and hiring someone and paying them, you know, tens of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to do it. So, you know, that would probably be it. I, I would, I would start and I wouldn't be afraid to spend some money and test, you know, multiple different campaigns. So if it's in Facebook, they do a really good job um, of being able to AB test different content, different creative, and just see what's, see what's biting. And maybe you want to take some of that budget and instead of, hiring a full-time uh, uh, paid ads person or, you know, what we call performance marketing person. Maybe you want to take some of that money and spend it a bit more on the engineering side to map them map out. Okay. How are they interacting with my website? How are they moving? So maybe you just, maybe you're a, you know, a solicitor or a lawyer and you're trying to get leads. Maybe you just want to pay to implement the Google and, you know, get Google an analytics uh, fully paid on your site or sorry, fully implemented because you can spend tens of thousands of dollars driving traffic to your site. But if you don't know what the bounce rate is or how people are interacting or which ones are actually driving to the leads, then you're just, you know, putting, you're just, you're wasting money. You're pouring it down the drain. So that'd be my biggest piece of advice is get the data, get the data piece set up and don't be afraid to spend some money on, on those ads. Um, and then, you know, do other testing because it, it may work out that, you know, physical flyers are going out meeting people. Um, I have a buddy that's after starting up a business recently and that's what I was talking to him about. I'm like, dude, just, you know, you don't know what people's pushback is on your, uh, on your company or your idea yet. They've launched, have some customers, but it's like, go out and talk to people, like go door to go door to door if you need to, um, and get feedback from them. Um, rather than sitting and looking at a computer all day, just running ads, like go meet people, hear what their potential objections might be. Um, and then, you know, that can help, guide your ads as well uh in a big way i would imagine a lot of folks though that are starting out that maybe are on their own and set up their website are almost a uh, bamboozled by the amount of tools and approaches there and, and the data underlying you know just even trying to figure out how to do some maybe testing versus to really understanding the analytics that are coming through and then how to to, to drive it there's a lot going on so if if somebody was willing to put their own money into it themselves they need to realize the trade-off of the time they're spending on it versus the time they could be earning money at doing something else and getting somebody in like is there any simple introductions what would you recommend to somebody that's going in completely new to all of this uh facebook and google have done a pretty good job with their both their onboarding and the tours that they can do from within facebook um and google to their account reps that do a you know really good job of hand holding you through a lot of that initial phases. Um, you know, as you were asking that question, I was kind of thinking, you know, I thought your question was going to be, should they just hire someone, you know, to go do it? Um, you know, uh, which 
I think if you can, and that's not the question you asked, but the answer it anyway would be if, if you could find someone you know that you really trust potentially, yes. But I think there's no harm knowing you know being able to go in there and take a look at some of the results. Um, it'll guide other parts of your sales process by being able to understand the results that are coming back from Facebook, what people are interacting with. Same thing with Google. Um, you know, if you're managing a team, you need to be able to look at that stuff to make sure that the you know performance is there and that the results that are coming out are correct. Particularly then, if you were going to bring on like an agency or something uh, outside or someone you know not that's not a full time hire, I would say it, it really does help to have an idea um, on being able to take a look at those results at a glance and just say, okay, yeah, these are how these can this is how these campaigns are performing. So I would. If nothing else, I would just do the one or two hour introductory phone call with Facebook and Google if you're just starting out and are new to the whole thing. Um, they'll get you up to a reasonable level of speed pretty quickly. And there's like millions of people using these platforms. Like they've made them a lot more, um, a lot easier to use um, at the initial stages. They've made them a lot easier to use um, over the last couple of years. But there, there's, that's not to say that you can't get incredibly complex and incredibly deep and run multiple different ad sets and A-B tests and get data from different sources and use different keywords and all of that. But I, you know, I wouldn't worry about that from the beginning. Just learn how to walk before you can run. Yeah, good, good advice. Your own personal development has probably taken lots of turns since you've moved over to the US, different to here in Ireland, obviously. How and any specific areas jumped out i know from talking offline you've been doing a lot of you know working with marine uh, drill instructors and you know getting more into meditation maybe talk to me about how you as a person have grown because dealing with uh, uh, the role you have the pressures no doubt are heavy you talk about 18 hour days it's important to find a balance right yeah definitely without a doubt i think that is something that has changed over like the last you know three or four three or four years where you kind of realize okay you need to take care of yourself. You need to spend time working on that. And then, you know, you need to, you know, take care of the family as well. Um, you know, and all of this kind of, I guess, once you start realizing that you're in this for the long term, that yeah, it's easy to get caught in that fog of war when you're in the weeds and you're the one running the Facebook ads and answering customer support and doing all of that. But then when you take a step back and you're like, okay, I need to be mentally fresh in order to, you know, make some of these decisions or, you know, take a look at this strategy or go talk to customers um, so yeah, definitely in terms of like, I guess on two sides, there's the professional side in terms of, you know, talk about professional growth. That's been very much, you know, I have some key mentors that I talk to regularly. I'm part of a couple of different, you know, professional groups that you go in and they're not just, um, you know, going in and people selling to you at events, you go in and you can sit down, you have open and frank discussions around what you see that's working in maybe marketing or, you know, on the management side or, or anything else. And then on the personal side, yeah, so it's uh, it's funny. So Dan Harris, who runs the 10% Happier app, and he wrote that book. Yeah, he was saying generally the one rule of meditation is don't tell people about it unless they ask you. So I generally don't talk about it, but you've asked me about it. So um i'll use that as the excuse but yes yeah, starting doing that just taking some time out um you know on a daily basis uh has been really good you know it helps you get focused it takes a couple of weeks to get into it um but that probably just means that you need it more um you know more than you think so i just use the headspace app 10 minutes a day turn it on um just go through the sequence they'll they talk you through it 
yeah, and, and then um, I definitely have spent a lot more time focusing on, uh, you know, physical health as well in terms of like making sure that I'm working out, pro- you know, working out enough that I'm eating properly um, and all of that stuff, you know, not only, um, you know, makes me a better, uh, you know, friend and partner and everything else, but it, you know, makes me a better leader on the professional side. Because that means that I'm looking after myself. It means I'm keeping stress levels down, um, and that I can stay, you know, better focused as well. So I think it all just adds into that. Um, you know, it just it all adds into just being a more rounded uh, person as well, as opposed to just professional. No, I couldn't agree more. And I, I find I don't know if you find that it's it's like a compounding interest effect as well. That the more you t- take the time to be present with yourself, understand what's going on, do the activities and and kind of pull away from the, the bad or worse habits once you kind of start breaking those that the the draw into um the meditations and and whatever other activities you're doing increases and 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 you start to gain more and more over time. Do you do you find that as well? Yeah, w- without a doubt and even from like this was back when I was in UCC I kind of thought that okay, yeah, the the ways that I'm, the, the things I do to have my best days are, you know, eat properly. And that might not just be like eating properly. That's like, you know, especially if you go home from work someday and you're like exhausted and you're like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just going to go to bed. Like I'm not going to eat, but then that affects you the next day. So making sure that you're eating, making sure that you're working out, making sure that you're sleeping, uh, like sleep is a huge thing. And then um, making sure that you're, um, well, my, my one that I have is making sure that I'm reading on a daily basis because uh, that helps me sleep. Um, and also just, you know, it's a box that I like to take myself in terms of, um, personal growth, but all of those things tie into each other. You know, you're not eating properly. You're probably not sleeping properly. You're not sleeping, sleeping properly. You're not going to eat or you're not going to, uh, you know, you're probably not going to be reading enough, you know, in the evenings or whatever else, um, which then affects your sleep and it affects your ability to work out. So all of these things are like tied in together. Um, but yeah, th- thanks for asking that question. Cause I generally like never talk about that stuff. Um, but since you asked it, it just gave me an, gave me an excuse to, I guess, run through my routine as well. Cool. And one of the things, so I coach people for for multiple different reasons in work, outside of work and whatnot, and mm-hmm. accountability, holding oneself to account for their, their goals, their objectives is, is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges people face. How do you hold yourself to account for these daily habits, routines, and, you know, keep them moving in, you know, keep the momentum going. Yeah. I think it's just taking a look at, okay, what are my, you know, what's going to get in the way of this? So it's, you know, okay, so it's 10 o'clock going to bed. I want to get up for 6am to go to the gym. What's the thing that's going to stop me from doing it? Oh, like, I don't have my gym gear ready. Okay. We'll get that ready the next day. You know, get that ready tonight for the next day. You know, what else is there going to be? Oh, I don't have like, you know, I'm going to be hungry if I go to the gym. Okay. Well then we can sort that out too. And then I think when all else fails, um, just in relation to the gym side and working out, heard this thing a couple, seven or eight years ago now, which, uh, I still think about where it's, you don't have to go for the run in the morning. You just have to put on your shoes and go stand on the porch. And that's, that's what your goal is. It's just to get down to your, you know, to get changed and get down to your porch. And if you think about how basic that is, like, that's pretty simple. And then once you get, you know, once you get to your front door, you're going to feel pretty stupid, like turning around and going back to bed. So like, that's what I think about on those, you know, mornings where I just, you know, I'm stuck to the bed is okay. You know, just put on your shoes, just go outside and, you know, and that's it. So 
I guess it's just, you know, it's the small things and removing, removing any barriers to, uh, or, you know, barriers or excuses that, you know, you're going to come up with the next day. Yeah. Couldn't agree more as well. So I, I'm, uh, I'm in, in, uh, in sync with you there. Just a couple of quick ones, Shane, before we wrap up, I'd like to ask this one. Is there anything you've changed your mind on in the last six months that you were very focused on, believed in, but now have changed your mind? Nothing that I've changed my mind on per se. Like what one thing that I guess a couple of months ago I started watching um uh RT did this thing around the time of the millennium, um, looking back at, you know, Ireland through the decades. And I guess one thing that I have been thinking about, and maybe it's not been something that changed my mind and this may not be the exact answer you were kind of I guess looking for maybe, but at how poor, you know, Ireland was in the 50s 60s you know and even 70s and how far we've come um and then even how much me personally have to be grateful for um because of that and i think you know i don't know what it was when i was like watching that documentary and you know you had charles hawley who was a t-shirt at the time coming on tv telling everyone in that kind of you know famous uh broadcast that you know we all had to tighten our belts but you know that struck me a lot where it was like Okay, yeah, there's we have issues in you know Ireland and around the world, but we've come a lot, we've come a long way in the last thirty or forty years, um, and an even further away in the last seventy or eighty years. So I think that's something that's you know kind of I've been trying to remind myself of, and you know, kind of helps me stay grounded as well in terms of you know everything that I have I have to be grateful for. Mm. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of change going on. Even here in Cork over the last couple of years, it's been changing so much. A lot of cranes up, a lot of new developments uh, going up. And with that, what is in store for your future? Is there, uh, how far how far ahead are you looking and, and what's kind of hopes and goals for for the, the coming months and years? Yeah, so we we've um, we have a lot of exciting things going on at Sandbox. We're continuing to grow the team. We're actually looking at uh, trying to fill a couple of positions um, now before the end of the year. Um, so there's a lot of exciting moving parts there. Um, continuing to learn, continuing to you know continue to grow in my role there. So that that's really where my focus is right now. So that you know that's that's the main area that I'm that I'm really concentrating on that I'm excited about. Uh, currently. It sounds like you have uh, a lot of good stuff going on there and enjoying your experience in the US and yeah, it's great to uh, to connect up and hear your story see how well you're doing and I'm sure it'll continue. So so Shane, thanks so much for taking the time out. I look forward to uh, sharing this with the community, not only the folks here in, in Cork but uh, listeners in the US as well. So hopefully mm-hmm. uh, it goes down well and just if anyone's interested in learning more about Sandbox, more about yourself, how can they do that um so they can just check out so the website is sandbox with two x's.com um i'm just shane mccarthy on linkedin that's where i kind of post the most um just feel free to reach out there uh, i would love to connect with anyone that's you know uh that's a buddy of rob or that's you know interested in the whole one percent better side of things so always looking, looking forward to connecting with you know like-minded people very good sounds great shane thanks so much and uh have a great uh, Christmas and New Year and best of luck with Sandbox in the future. Cheers. Thanks, Rob. 
So this is the outro of the podcast, guys. You got to the end, and that is great. Please hang in here for another couple of minutes. I know most people won't, but maybe there's something here of interest. So check this out. First off, thanks so much for listening to this one, as well as maybe the hundred or so that's gone before it. Why not check them out if you haven't already? There's lots of good stuff in there. The whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning, and I'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well. So much has changed over the last few years since I started it. I've really realized lots of the goals that I put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well. And I think anytime you take on action towards a goal, you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way. And hopefully they're good things. In this particular episode, was there any one or two things that jumped out? Maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do. Do it now. Take it out. Write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode. Put a plan in place and then work towards it. Applying yourself deliberately over time. Take ownership. Build a habit. Improve. Get 1% better. Share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve. That's what it's all about. That's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website robofthegreen.ie you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles Uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better app page which i'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page you want to email me rob at rob of the instead but it's all about trying to engage you and get you to a place of improvement so i'm open to feedback as i said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at rob of the is the website or at rob of the green on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that will go into making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place. Thanks for sticking to the very end. Talk to you next time and take care. Good luck.